If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the Live Wild Podcast, everyone. So this week, we're going to continue the summer prep series and jump into gear. I'm going to give you some of my thoughts on gear selection. I'll answer some listener questions, and then I'll do kind of a pack dump of sorts. We're going to dive into the world of building out your kit. What I really want for you is to kind of get a look at the way I think about gear and gear selection. Maybe we'll even go in a little bit into gear development. But before we do that, I figured I'd share the story of a luxury item I never thought would occupy space in my backpack. So when I kind of think about my kit or the stuff, I just like to call whatever I'm bringing in the field my kit, right? Like my backpack, my gear. It's just kind of like the the set of things that I bring on a hunt. And with every hunt, there's a few things that change. But for the most part, it's like the same base stuff. And then, you know, a few items will change here and there based on the season or maybe something that I'm hunting, maybe some specialized gear for whatever I'm hunting. And, you know, I would say like I've spent a lot of time kind of really fine-tuning this kit because um, a lot of my hunts are backpack backcountry style hunts and so i'm always looking for that thing that's a little bit lighter than the next or maybe more durable than the next or that fits multiple uh i'd say like multiple needs like i try to kind of keep it pretty streamlined because my kit is more unique than most because i'm not only just taking my hunting stuff but most of my hunts i'm also carrying a lot of camera stuff so uh, there's a limited amount of space a finite amount of space and finite amount of or like a kind of how much space you can have and then how much weight you want to carry. So I kind of play this game for me personally where I'm carrying like a lot of camera stuff that's necessary for if I want to film. And then I've got my gear and my other stuff. But I feel like I've, I'm pretty, I don't know, pretty in tune to the new gear that comes out. I kind of pay attention to what's around and what might be better or ways to kind of tweak it a little bit. Um, I, I get some good stuff and then I stick with it. But um, I'm always, there's always a few things that on trips when I'm with people, I might completely change my mind on a few pieces of gear. I know this happened a couple of years back. I was on a elk hunt 
Um, and I never, uh, it was a, actually an elk hunt in Alaska and I'd always, you know, carried either a pump filter or just used tablets or just risked, risked it for the biscuit and just tried to drink clean water, you know, like do something in the field to, you know, find a good spring or whatever. And then the guys on that trip had those stereo pens and pretty much from that point on, I was like, wow, that's so much more convenient than what I'm doing. Um, more convenient than boiling water, more convenient, like less risk. And so I, that was just something that I added to my kit that, um, I really kind of thought down upon them until that trip and then have been using them kind of ever since. And so last year I was on a stone sheep hunt in BC with a couple guys and, uh, it was about a two week backpack trip. Um, I was hunting with this guy, Kent. And so we're, we're, back in there and so the plan was like we're, we're kind of covering country very similar to the style that i hunt a lot of other places like you go you 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 hike in you spend your time getting into a spot you set up camp you glass you hunt and then you move right so you pick up your camp it's a lot of breaking down your camp setting up your sleeping pad setting up and then just breaking everything down and then moving so you've always got your gear with you it's like bivy style hunting where you've got everything with you and then wherever you stop is where you camp for the most part. So it was like day three. And we'd been, the terrain wasn't super even. So it's not like our tents were real close together. It was like you'd find a flat spot and then maybe the next guy would be 20 yards away or, or whatever. Like in the same general vicinity, but not right next to each other. And then about day three, I think, day four, there was this flat bench. And I'm sitting on my tent, can sit up his tent. And I just hear this like noise. It's very unnatural in this very, very long way away from any roads, very wilderness setting. I hear, and I'm like, what the heck is that? I'm setting up my tent. I just cannot figure it out. And it's just like, it's just like this low, almost like this mechanical hum. I'm thinking, what the heck? I was like, did somebody bring, I, I'm just like in my head laughing. Like, did somebody bring an electric toothbrush. <laughs> so like that's, you know, everybody, like the more people you hunt with some, uh, I have it. Everybody has something that's kind of like, I would say, I don't know, like a, a creature comfort where you're like, you know what? I'm just going to be tough enough to carry this because I like it, right? And I've never been on a backpack hunt and someone had an electric. I was like, what is that sound? So I go to the tent and I'm like, dude, what, what do you got there? And it was not an electric toothbrush. It was a like small, uh, I have to look it up because it was uh, it was a small like air pump for his sleeping pad. It was a Thermarest sleeping pad. It was like this Neo Air air pump. And it was pretty light, pretty small. And I started to think about it. I was like, ah, you know, I don't, he, he was explaining. He's like, a, a hunter had it, a client that he was guiding. And he had it and then just gave it to him. And he's like, man, since I've used it, he's just had it ever since. And I was like, that's actually pretty good. I felt it was like super lightweight. It takes a battery or whatever. And I'm like, that's, that's a good idea. Right. But I also wasn't sure that I would, uh, you know, ever carry it. And so, uh, as the week went on at the end of the day, you're, you're just ready to like have your tent pitched, you know, by the time you pack up, you do your thing. Then it's like, you're, it's windy, whatever you're sitting there trying to blow up this sleeping pad <sighs> And by about a couple days later, I'm like eyeing that thing going, okay, come on, man. Uh, let me borrow your your pump. 
you know, like the thing's pretty cool. And by the end of the trip, I was completely sold on this thing because it's just one of those things where it just, it just made my jo you had the job at the end of the day where you're just tired and, and sick of blowing up your Thermarest mattress at the end of the day, every day. Okay. You could, you could go do something else, right? You could pitch your tent, you plug that thing on, you fills up your sleeping pad and whatever. So this past, uh, it was actually last Christmas. I was like, all right, my wife's, I'm a very hard person to buy stuff for. Cause I generally have whatever I need. And I was like, all right, here's something you can get me. It's a, it's a air mattress pump. So that is in my kit this season. I've already got it packed. I've got it with my sleeping pad. I'll report back whether, uh, it's worth the wait or not. But I think that that might be my, my new frivolous piece of gear that, you know, just a little bit of a creature comfort, something that I, if you had shown me that in a store or told me that you like one, I would have said, yeah, I will never carry that. And now I've got it added in there. So the season will tell whether it stays or goes, but it's just another thing that, you know, a little thing that you find and you go, okay, that's, that's something cool that I'm going to take with me. And that's the fun thing about, you know, gear and, and tinkering with your gear and finding new stuff and trying new stuff. There's a lot of stuff for me. I, I try to keep it pretty bare minimum when it comes to gear, the things that I, I absolutely need and use a lot. Uh, the way that I've kind of gone through my gear setting processes, I started out with things that I thought I needed. And then there's always stuff in my pack that at the end of a trip, just, I was like, man, I never use that. And then I'd have it in, and I was like, why am I carrying this stuff that I'm not using? And over the years, I've just really fine-tuned it to kind of having the bare minimum stuff. But then I, you know, throw in a bunch of extra cameras and batteries and microphones and all that stuff. That's just, you know, the way that I do it. Um, that's not very, that's not necessary. If I go on a trip where I'm not filming, I'm like, wow, this pack's light. This is awesome. Um, but I, I, I found kind of ways to get by with a lot less stuff. Um, but I will also say that, you know, in that, uh, there's been it's just kind of fun to go through and, and find gear that works really well and stuff that I really like and got to test a lot of stuff and so I'm continually kind of tweaking and, and messing with that kit and this time of year I really I'm like going through my gear list I'm looking at some stuff that's like okay I'd like to try that out and other things so it's a great time to kind of talk about gear some of the stuff that you might want to think about bringing some of the stuff just my thoughts on gear and uh, as we prepare for the upcoming hunting season because in a matter of weeks, uh, there's a lot of seasons that are going to be opening up across the West, and a lot of guys are going to get boots on the ground. So I'm really excited about that. So I feel like when it comes to talking about gear in these gear episodes, I always kind of just like to, I don't know, at least kind of just like lay down my background when it comes to gear. Because I've actually had like a, a pretty good hand in a lot of the stages of, of gear from you know, wearing it as a high-end user when I'm guiding or whatever. Like it's, it's a lot of the stuff that I'm using is it gets probably more use in a year than most people will use in the lifetime of the gear. So I've got to put a lot of stuff through its paces. Um, I, I live in a lot of things. It's like my boots, my clothes, like a lot of this, you know, a lot of this stuff is stuff that I live in. There's you know, during the guide season, it might be I mean, some years I, I would be in the field 120 consecutive days. That's just going from hunt to hunt and guiding and then just immediately going into my own personal hunts and traveling in those like kind of days in between or like driving a half day. And then the next day, you know, you're out in the field again scouting or prepping or whatever. So I've put a lot of gear through a lot of paces. I've tried nearly everything. 
Um, I've got to, you know, uh, be a part of hunts where people are using stuff that maybe I'm not using, but got to see how, you know, compare a lot of things and that kind of stuff. And that's what kind of really helped me build out the things that I like. Um, another thing that I feel, you know, very fortunate is that I've got to try a bunch of stuff. And, you know, I, I think people go like, oh, well, you're sponsored by these companies. And I'm in a very unique position where uh, the companies that I work with are, it's like, that's the gear that I, I like to use. And, and if it's, you know, something I, I mean, I'll, I can switch companies if the gear is not meeting a standard anymore or, you know, what have you. But, um, you know, for me, it's, it's just more along the lines of like, these are companies that I really like the gear and so I, I work with those companies, if that makes sense. Now, a lot of people don't know, but in, in the background or my background, um, you know, with, when it comes to gear, a lot of it goes beyond for me being a consumer. Um, and like I've worked with a lot of companies uh, as part of my job. One of the things that the companies that I do work with, a lot of it hinges around gear development, which um, I don't necessarily talk about a lot, but I've had um, – a lot of hands in a lot of like development of a lot of products out there. Um, so when I talk about gear, a lot of it, I've actually had a hand in the process, whether it's uh, through consulting, whether it's through wear testing, um, a good amount of the stuff that you may have used from a lot of different companies. Uh, some that I, you know, work with some that I don't, um, some that I can and can't talk about just because of NDAs and other things. I, I've been a part of the process of, developing or, or having some of that stuff um go from we've got a product that we need to like make better and have consulted on a lot of stuff like that so i've had a, a like a, a very i guess it's like a behind the scenes look at gear in some ways i was like i think about it i'm like i probably should just make my own gear but i, I do enjoy you know like they've got resources that i don't have right and so um and i've got that ability of spending a lot of time and a lot of gear and so when it comes to talking about gear i think that that's something that especially Western big game hunting, it's always um, a, a really big part of the things that we think about when we talk about going into the backcountry. I know like early on, it's like, man, when I would read hunting magazines, it's like I would go straight to those gear sections and see, okay, what are these reviews on the guys that I know that really put the stuff through the paces and, and that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, when it comes to specific pieces of gear, uh, that's great. But also I really like to talk about you know, the idea behind certain gear. So, you know, maybe one thing is like, hey, you've got brand A and I like brand B, but why am I choosing the way that I'm layering? What am I doing in those ways? So we can kind of build out those kits that fit us. And I think when it comes to gear, a lot of the stuff is, is you know, personal preference as well. Um, and then some stuff, there's just things that I'm like, okay, I like this for this reason. And, um, and, I, and I've seen it, you know, other people like other stuff. But I always like to say, you know, there are companies that I work with. And so I've, within those companies, I do get to try a lot of stuff. So I get my, maybe not so many random products anymore, but a lot of within certain companies. So you can just take that and, and understand like how I build my gear list. But for the most part, it's just things that I like and really, you know, look at as high quality gear. I've always been the type of person that says, you know, you, you can ask my wife when it comes to buying gear, I'm the type of person that I will research the crap out of something. Like I don't just go and like make a impulse decision for the most part. Like I'm very methodical. Like I'm very, 
I guess I'm very like tight with what I buy. I like to buy like something good once instead of like a bunch of cheap stuff over and over and over. Cause every time I do that, it just ends up biting me. So if I'm going to spend my money on something, I, I really do my research. I really like look into it and, and I try to, and I think that that's like a good way when thinking about a lot of this gear. And then there's also some stuff. It's like, well, it doesn't really matter. Like I'm just trying to save money on this so I can spend more money on this. So I like to think of major categories when it comes to gear and really focusing in on those, the important stuff. And then there's all of that ancillary stuff. That's the stuff that kind of changes a lot. You know, the, the bigger stuff is more of a buy it once and have it for as long as I can, because uh, it tends to be more expensive, but it's also, I put more weight on that stuff. And then all the other things in, in the middle are the things that I swap around and find new stuff and kind of tinker with. So I'd say the, the major categories when I'm talking about gear would be optics. Primarily when I say optics, the, the most important one is binoculars. Um, and then I would say boots, packs, and clothes. And, and that's, you know, obviously you're like, that's a major portion of the kit. But those are the things that I think are the most important because I, I would feel nearly naked if I went out hunting without binoculars. Uh, boots are super important to me because... You know, that's the touch point that I think causes most people to not be able to accomplish the hunt that they want. As a guide, I've seen more people quit because of like foot injury, like something wearing their feet, like being uncomfortable. You're on your feet a lot. It's a hiking game, especially mountain hunting, backpack hunting. Then the pack, obviously, because it's another uncomfortable touch point. And that's how you're getting all your gear in and out as well as carrying an animal out. And then clothing is extremely important. I think that things have changed. When I first started guiding, um, my first gear list to clients was, especially for elk hunts, right at the top before you did anything. It's like, if you're coming hunting with us, right at the top says, no cotton, no new boots. Because guys just didn't know. They, they would show up with cotton socks, cotton underwear, cotton hunting clothes, just uh, whatever. And there, and at the time back then there wasn't a lot of like high quality clothes and other materials, whether it's synthetic, whether it's Merino, um, there just wasn't that availability. Now I think that's like almost, I almost don't even have to add clothes to this because it's like, that's the first thing everybody has. If you were like, Hey, you've got to go hunt a 10 day backpack hunt in all cotton clothes, but you get binoculars or no binoculars, but good clothes. I don't know. I'd probably, that's, that's really a toss up, but I might just say, yeah, I can, I can keep walking and hiking and finding stuff. If I've got that non chafing cotton stuff, that's not going to freeze me or stay wet all the time. Um, I don't know what I'd take. I think I'd probably go with the clothes, but now it's, it's just commonplace. Right. Um, but I think that optics is, is very important because, when you're talking about spot and stock hunting, even in thicker country, I rely so heavily on my binoculars and I find that that's probably my key to success because I use them so often. It's just like, it's just like looking with my eyes. That's how familiar I am with looking through binoculars. So another just really important piece of kit. And then the rest is just that filler stuff. It's your, your tents, your sleeping bags, your dehydrated meals, your stoves, your flashlights, all that stuff. And then there's, you know, water filtration system. Not that those things are unimportant, but I'd say they're in the category of like the things that kind of change more often than the other stuff. So I say, let's kind of jump into, you know, we, we talked about the why on some of those major things. And then I, I kind of broke down a gear list 
so I've got a bunch of like I try to save like most of my gear lists on my phone, so it helps me kind of keep an idea of like what I'm packing and and as I'm going through, I'm, I'm prepping right now for early season mule deer hunt. Um, so I've got my gear list for that out right now, and, and I'll go through the gear list. But I think uh, what we'll do first is, and then I'll, when, I, when I do that, I'll just go through some explanations on some of the stuff. But first, I got a, quite a few questions come in. So I asked last week if you had a question on gear, shoot me a message on social media. I made a post about the some gear and then got a lot of good stuff. So I'm going to kind of go through some of these questions because it's a real good look at uh, some of my ideas behind gear and it, and this is the things that people are, are curious about. So the first question from Dan Corsi says, for September archery mule deer in Southern Colorado around that 9,000 foot range, clothing setup, what do you suggest for a mid-layer, maybe like a grid fleece or a heavy merino? Now, when it comes to clothing, I think about my clothing setup like this, and this might be uh, different than a lot of people, but one, I don't want to carry a lot of extra clothes. So I don't really carry any backup clothes. I would say I just have what I think is the best setup for the time of year. Now, as the seasons change, the amount of clothing that I add increases and the thickness of the clothing increases. But for early September season, I would probably, if I was like looking at my pack, I would have some kind of hooded, you know, like a, a hooded Merino shirt probably be more lightweight then i would have some kind of soft shell type jacket and then if it was like at that nine thousand foot range it can get chilly so i'd probably throw in like a down puffer as that like a lightweight packable puffer as that kind of mid-layer i'm not a real big mid-layer guy i'm like a shirt and outer layer and then i would have my rain gear because you know i'm not really not carrying rain gear just in case it downpours but that rain gear i can also use to like move and warm up a lot of my setup is based on movement like i'm always kind of going to be warm um, because i'm going to be hiking around and then when i'm stopped glassing you know i might throw something on to cut that uh cut that wind cut that chill so that could be rain gear um that that just cuts that wind uh, it could also be just like that light puffer and then I'm moving again. So it's probably most of the time, most of the time I'm hunting, I'm not even wearing a jacket or if it's cold, I'll be wearing that soft shell jacket on the outside, but where it's, it regulates that temperature where I'm not too hot when I'm hiking. And that's the way that I kind of look at my clothing setup. So, um, I try to keep it pretty minimal but also, you know, have the right layers and then use those things like using my rain gear. If, I, if I'm carrying it anyways, it's, it's nice to have it for things other than rain because many hunts you don't encounter the wet. There's places you hunt where it's wet all the time and you're pretty much in your rain gear. But those times it's not, I use it as a wind blocker. I use it as just to warm up and walk around in it because you do get hot uh, walking around uphill in your rain gear. Um, so those are just some of the ways that I think about uh, layering, especially in those early seasons. And then as it gets later, you know, I'm adding those layers because I do want to stay warm. You don't want to under layer yourself and then be freezing up on the mountain, shivering and burning all those calories, just trying to stay warm. Right. So having the right kind of setup for the conditions is, is pretty important as well. So next question, I didn't catch the name on it, but it asks about a lightweight stove or just, he says, you know, he's talking about what's better is just taking like a lightweight stove with fuel or is like having a pot and building a fire enough. 
And it, it is nice to be able to be in a place where it's like, okay, you can just carry a pot, your water, you don't have to worry about fuel and you just make a fire and, and boil your water that way. I do do that, but I think that the stove is absolutely the way to go for backcountry hunting for a couple of reasons. First, there's a lot of places that I hunt that you can't just make a fire, not because it's impossible to make a fire, but because the fear of wildfire. So early season, I mean, a lot of places ban fires, open fires. So the stove is just key for that. The other thing about it is when I'm hunting, I am 100% focused on, this is me, but uh, I'm so focused on the hunting portion that everything else, like the camping, the food, I just, I don't even necessarily care about it in a way. It's like, I just want to eat when I want to eat. I want it to be fast. I want it to be easy. I want to get to bed. I want to get some sleep and I want to wake up and I want to get after it. Right. So it's just more of a thing of not having to think about finding fuel to build a fire. You know, if I, if I'm stopped in glassing or whatever, and it's late season, most of the time I'm not using the stove. I'm just using a pot and fire, but when it comes to most backpack hunts, I just like to be able to fire that thing up, get that water boiling, and then make a meal and eat. And I just don't want to have to think about it, if that makes sense. His next question says, uh, from Richard Nolan, he says, uh, he would like a rating for insoles for boots as well as reusable game bags. And I got a lot of questions about game bags as well as insoles. I've always, I mean, if you've heard your list of mine in the past, insoles are as important to me as boots. So when I talk, when I say boots are important, I put insoles in with that category of boots because, you know, a high quality boot, you know, you could get a really good boot and they come with insoles, right? But the way your foot fits in that boot, like the boot is just the shell. And then all the structure of that foot is what really kind of matters. And for a boot company to make uh, insole, like a, a high quality insole that matches is great for everyone is impossible, right? Because that's the most custom part of your foot. Um, for a very long time, I used uh, super feet and I, I think I just, I went with whatever they had at the time. Like somebody told me, ah, you should try these. This is like probably 20 years ago. And I did. And I was like, okay, it made a big difference because I always had problems with boots and I would always just get an insole and then move it from boot to boot. And then last year, I think it was it, you know, maybe it was either at the wild. Yeah, it was actually at wild sheep. My dad, uh, went and got some of those, uh, it's sheep feet insoles. And I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. What they are is it's essentially like a custom orthotic, but it's a company that's, I, you know, what I really like is I like good companies that are based in the knowledge of hunting because it does make a difference to me um, because the, there's demands on hunting that are different than other things like hiking. It's like, yeah, you're just hiking, but you aren't carrying really heavy packs on that pack out. You might be hiking, but it's not uh, every day for a season, right? Um, so there, it's a cool system. You just like put your foot in this mold, then they make a insole for you, and then one. I think the most the, the most expensive part was the first one, and then you can reorder insoles after that, and you can choose like thinner, thicker insole. Um, so I got those, and I mean, I just swap them between my boots, but I really like that setup. And I really, I mean, I was like, this is much higher quality than the ones you just buy off the shelf and it fits better, feels better. Like instantly I, I could tell that it was like, I could go further with less fatigue, if that makes sense. And then the other thing that I like to do is like, I, I'll get a really high quality insole, 
but I personally like a less stiff sole on my boot. So mountaineering boots have become kind of all the rage, right? Because the nice stiff soles help you with those heavy loads. They're really good in that um, rocky, steep terrain, but you can't feel the ground as much. So I like that compromise, and they also take forever to break in. So for me personally, this is just personal preference, but I prefer having like a really good insole and then a lighter, like a, a more flexible sole in the boot. And that's the way that I kind of run my boot setup. Uh, the second part of this question, reusable game bags. That's, that's a really good question. I mean, I've used a little bit of everything. Um, I can kind of give you a review on the things that I've tried and then some things that I've seen other people use and would like to try. Um, you know, the first being, uh, it's actually pretty high quality. Um, pillowcases work pretty good. I had a friend that worked at a, uh, casino hotel and they would just get like, they would had to, they would go through pillows so much. So we just like, we just asked and they're like, yeah, you can take those or like even thrift stores have like, just get those big pillowcases. Think about them. They're, they're cheap and they're, but they're heavy. Uh, they still breathe. They're pretty good. They're, I mean, it's a, it's a great way, but they also aren't super easy to hang stuff. So you'd have to like thread some P cord through it. Um, and then, you know, now there's like game bags that are higher quality than the pillowcase <laughs> and a lot more packable ones that I've used for a very long time would be the caribou gear, uh, game bags. The thing about those ones, I would say they're the heaviest out and like they take up the most space, but they're definitely the most durable out of the game bags out there. Um, I know I've tried the Allen ones, which are very similar. Like they look the same, but I found that like, and they're a quarter of the price, I think. Um, so they kind of on the outside look very similar, um, but they just aren't as durable. They don't last as long. And I found that like when the meat dries in them, they, the, the cheaper ones tend to tear. Uh, recently I tried, I don't even know. I'm going to look it up real quick. Let's see. I got them from the, solo hunter website so tim i i do the solo hunter you know i've always done the self-filming and stuff but tim burnett runs that's his business is the gear thing I, I i essentially have nothing to do with it really but um i do find stuff that he has and i'm like okay i'll i'll, I'll buy that from you that's awesome i got these viam outdoor game bags i think they're like super lightweight and they're this uh ripstop material the, the, I, I really liked that. I've used it on a few hunts. Seemed to be breathable enough. Uh, seemed to be durable enough. I mean, I haven't used them for very long. Probably just, uh, I think, two or three hunts. Really enjoyed them because they take up very little space. Super lightweight. I'd rate those pretty high as well. You know, every little every game bag's got a little something different. Then there's the Argali game bags. I haven't used those personally, but I've got a lot of friends that use those. Uh, they're, they're kind of the same thing. Lightweight seem to work really well. So I would say those are kind of your options. And then you can go like, Hey, I, you know, if, if I'm going on like a hunt where it's winter time and I'm hunting elk, I'm probably, even though they're heavier, probably going to take the caribou gear bags because I've drugged them through the snow and like, you know, they're heavy and durable and I can hang stuff. Or if I, it's like, I know I might be in the back country for a long time. Like I, I just have used them long enough that I trust them a lot. And I know that they, you know, they work real well, but now if it's like, I'm going light and fast then those Viam ones, or maybe the Argali ones, um, there's others out there, but those are just the ones that I have experience with. So, and then, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm going on a hunt and it might be day hunting. And it's like, all right, I might be 
who knows, like maybe I've got a few doe tags and it's like, all right, it's pillowcase time, right? It's just something to keep them out of the dirt and whatever. So that that's kind of my, you know, reusable game bag thing. And then there's also, I mean, I guess I didn't even mention, there's like the Alaska game bags, which are semi-reusable. They're kind of that cheesecloth material. And then there's like, just like the cheesecloth style, old school, you know, disposable in some ways game bags. I don't like those ones as much. Like they don't really, they're way breathable for sure. But I think the other kind of game bags out there now are just as breathable and just more durable and more reusable. So even more bang for your buck. All right. I'll jump through a couple and I'll, I'll try to go through some of these quick. I know when I, I, I really like answering questions, but I always get long winded. So uh, Chase Anders says information on your tent pad, sleeping bag uh, would be great info. So, or, and then it, so it goes into saying, do you go ultralight uh, so you can stay on elk where you find them? Or do you have a base camp that you hunt out of? Does it change archery into rifle? And that's really good. Yeah. So I do change my setup as it gets later into the season, primarily because the weather changes, right? If I'm by myself, if I'm solo, especially I like to kind of have that lighter tent. So I'm doing more fly camp style, uh, ultralight tent. I use stone glacier, ultralight tent, early season. It's more of like, a, it's kind of like a, I used to use just a bivy sack, which is just a, like a Gore-Tex bag over your sleeping bag, but you sweat pretty bad in it. And the thing's right on your face and you like your condensation from breathing in those bivy sacks is, isn't it great. So those ultralight tents are great because it's just quick and easy. You can use your trekking poles or I'll cut a stick to to put it up or just tie it off, whatever. It's just a, a lightweight shelter to kind of keep you out of the water, out of the rain, have a little bit of a tent, and then you can set it up, take it down. Now, if I'm hunting with someone else, I might take a bigger, better tent. If I'm going into somewhere where I might think I'm going to encounter bad weather, then I just say whatever, and I I, I throw the, the tent in. So I use the sky, Stone Glacier Sky tent, I think it is. And it's like a two-man tent, but it's light enough that I carry it myself. I mean, I've carried it on 14-day sheep hunts. I've carried it on, you know, elk hunts. I generally am not really, like, think about things in the form of base camp. So I like to kind of have stuff with me for where I stop. But when it comes to elk, I would say mule deer, I'm, I'm moving more. Sheep, I'm moving more. Elk, sometimes once I, once I get them figured out where they're at, sometimes I'll end up hunting, like, that same area day after day. So... In that case, um, it's better to just have like a, a little bit more durable camp. Plus you can stow gear and be a little bit lighter and, and get into some chasing more. So it really just depends on how early the season is, where I'm at and what I might encounter. So I, I sometimes like in my truck, I'll have both tents and like, all right, which tent am I taking in because of, you know, the style and, and where I'm at that particular time. So it is kind of nice to have that option, uh, the lightweight setup. And then also that changes too with what I'm hunting. When I'm hunting mule deer, I've got limited space in my pack, limited weight. So I generally go with like early season archery mule deer. I go with the lightest camping, all that kind of stuff setup because I'm putting more weight in my pack with optics. But when it goes to elk, I'm using a lot less optics. I might just even be binoculars, no spotting scope, no tripod, none of that stuff. And then I have room and weight for that bigger tent. And then rifle season, I always have that like, you know, more durable three, four season tent. Tim Valenzuela says, for a late season elk hunt, do you ever pack snowshoes? Um, I think the idea of it, like I've thought about it a lot. I've had them on trips, but actually where it's applicable ends up being 
not as many places. So there are hunts where I have used snowshoes to access an area, but I don't necessarily pack them like in case I need them because uh, I just think it's like a added thing. So if I'm going into an area where I know I'm going to need them, I have hunted off snowshoes. There's been times where I've toyed with like mini skis with um, – with skins on them or something like that, where it's like, Hey, I'm going up a logging road, man, how easy would it be to just skin up this logging road in the snow and then start your hunt from there or even packing out, just kind of skiing down a logging road, uh, or even like a, a big open face trouble you run into a lot of elk places. Once man, once you get into deadfall with skis, it's tough because <laughs> they get caught underneath everything. Um, so that's just, uh, the kind of the way that I think about that. This is a good post-hunt question as we talked about planning out your hunt and probably something that I didn't touch on last week. Um, one of them, well, the first one is, uh, from, is from Tyler Winter. He says, any advice to use to hang elk quarters in grizzly country? And then the second part of the question is, how big of a cooler do I need for a deboned elk? And that's a really good question. Um, the first part, hanging the elk, uh, I just use P-cord. It's kind of always in my pack or... Um, mule tape it's just like another kind of cordage uh you could use pretty much anything but when it comes to grizzly country for the most part i like to find a tree that i can climb into pretty good and then just get it up pretty high and sometimes i'll just uh you know put it in the crook of the tree or whatever and then so i climb up the tree with it because it's easier that way than hoisting it up and then i can get it out on a limb or, or do whatever and hang it uh try to be at least 13 feet off the ground and then, you know, you can always also throw, but it's hard to get elk quarters, like pull elk quarters up with cordage, I found. So it's, it's easier to climb the tree with it and then hook it up and hang it, dangle it that way. Um, now, when it comes to a cooler, that's a good question. You know, there, it depends on like the, the average elk, right, isn't as big as most people think. I think Wyoming did a big study most people think elk are way bigger than they are, right? Like everybody's like, oh, it's a thousand pound elk and most of them are like 500 pounds. So you, you cut out half the weight for like guts and stomach and all that stuff. And then a little bit more weight for bones, right? And you're at about 160 pounds of meat or something like that. And so elk generally aren't as big as most people think and you don't necessarily need as big of a cooler especially when you're deboning them however there are elk that you shoot and you go wow this is a big son of a gun and it takes up twice as much cooler space i bring a like a yeti 210 cooler i feel like boned out that does the trick most of the time but i also always have like another cooler that i kind of keep as like the drink cooler ice cooler whatever so like the big new mexico bowl i shot last year it did not fit in a yeti i had to use two coolers um and i was glad that i had that extra cooler uh, otherwise i'm not sure what i would have done but yeah for the most part when you bone it out you get a lot more space uh, just because of breaking it down you can tetris it a little bit better and then sometimes there's not as much room for ice so you just gotta you know pre-chill that cooler if you can put as much ice in there as you can and then just as you're traveling home constantly refilling that ice and just keeping that meat cool a couple more questions here Travis Hastings asked, do you use different grain weight arrows for different species? He's got a Colorado pronghorn tag with deer and elk, um, all archery. I don't know if I need to have different arrows for different animals. I don't mess with that. I set up the setup that I like, and that's what I hunt with. Be and so if you're hunting elk, just make a, your setup for elk. Yeah, the, the scenarios and the things are different, but 
to switch something in the middle of the season is a pain. I have done that in the past, um, but for the most part, I don't mess with it too much because I just like to have my setup and just know that it, it works and it's going to hit where I'm aiming because that's the main point, right? And so you need something that's heavy enough for elk. And, you know, you, what you can adjust is like, okay, maybe you, you want a, a fixed blade for elk, but you, you're going to use a mechanical for pronghorn or whatever, you know, some of those things I'll tinker with, but I don't change my arrow weight, um, for different animals very often. Like preseason, what I start with is what I kind of go through the entire season because I know that it shoots, I know how it is, and I just don't want to have to mess with it, to be honest. Um, plus it's a lot to think about like, hey, I'm in the elk woods and now I've got like a deer arrow and an elk arrow and changing sights and all that stuff. So um, just set it and forget it, in my opinion. RJ Batla says, question on sleeping bags. Do you have one that works for most hunting situations that's your go-to or do you have multiples for multiple different situations slash times of year? If you had to pick one degree rating that would work for most of the time across the West, what would it be? I would say my standard starting point for sleeping bags, 15 degrees. I feel like you can get it's not too hot for those early seasons. And then as you go into later season, there's a few tricks you can do. So you can add a liner. Um, some of these liners get you about 10 to 15 extra degrees. It's just like a sheet. It's a little heavier, right? But it's actually kind of nice because it's easier to wash that liner and not get your sleeping bag super dirty. I go with down sleeping bags. I feel like there's just that added like warmth in that down. Um, just don't get it wet. Be careful about getting it wet, right? And then another little trick is like later in the season, you can wear, uh, I'll wear like down puffer pants and a puffer jacket and then a little beanie. And it's like with that combined with that liner, if I need to, that really gets you through the season. Now I personally have for late season, I do run a zero degree bag because I have it. Right. So I've got a 15 degree bag and I've got a zero degree bag, but there's many times that I actually just take the 15 degree bag. So I would say if I was just to have one, I would go with a 15, but also, you know, it depends how you sleep. If you sleep cold all the time, then you go with the lower rating. Cause I've used, a, I've used a zero degree bag and in the August summer high country and it been fine too. So you just unzip it a little bit and uh, you're, you're good. But I would say 15 degrees, the best option. That was a really good question. This comes from Robbie Rusa. He says, is the greatest difference between higher price optics and lower price optics at dawn slash dusk low light levels? In other words, if one looked through each during normal daylight hours, could you see the difference in quality? And that's a really good question. So I, in the interest of just like testing out a lot of stuff, right? I took on one hunt, like a lower end binocular just to see the difference. Now it was a, still a good optic. And when I look through them in just like normal settings, right? You go, man, I don't know if I can tell the difference, but when I was on the hunt, I could tell the difference. Now, I don't know if everyone would tell the difference, but for me, there was things that I could spot with the better optic that I could not spot with the lower end optic. So it's anytime you're those like long distances looking into those shadows and it wasn't just cheaper binoculars. And then my client was carrying the, um, I was guiding elk and he was carrying like the top end binocular. And so it's like low light and I'm looking through my binoculars. And I'm like, I think I see an elk and it's pre-dawn. We were in the spot hoping to get on this bull that we'd spotted the night before. 
And I'm like, okay, I'm looking at it, looking at it like, gosh, I think like, I just can't tell, you know, I'm like, let me see your binoculars, grab his binoculars immediately could be like, okay, I could see those details that not that I was, um, it was brighter, but I could, I, could, I guess it was brighter too, but the detail was there. So I'm like, okay, well, this is early light, right? So that's the difference, early light. And then it was like later in the day, glassing, and something similar happened where I'm looking at something and I just, I'm looking into this area, but I cannot tell that fine detail. So I swap binoculars and I'm like, okay, I can tell whether something's in there. And I actually spotted uh, an elk with his binocular, with the higher end binoculars, because I, I caught the detail of like that hair pattern in this area that I was looking that I, I already looked over with the other binoculars and didn't notice. So it definitely does make a difference, but it's not necessarily, I would say it's like very hard to tell until you're in those hunting scenarios, but also the, the places I look, um, I'm really good at spotting elk that most people, even with those high end binoculars might miss because I've done it for a long time. So my, I guess my standard is a little bit different. Whereas maybe most people wouldn't have even spotted that thing with those that higher end binoculars. So it's hard to say like, but for me, I can immediately tell that quality between a low end and a, and a high end binocular. And, you know, obviously with binoculars, you kind of pay for those price points. So as we kind of wrap up, I figured I'm going to just blaze through a couple. I've got, I'm going to pull up a couple of my spreadsheets here and I'm just going to run through and just kind of ramble off some of the things that I have in my pack, right? This is just my packing list. Um, and what I'll do, you'll be able to get these lists online, but I thought it just might be fun to kind of run through these. And then where there's, I've got them kind of side by side here. So I can kind of throw out some comparisons of stuff that as it gets later in the season, what might change. And a lot of this stuff is just base stuff that doesn't really change. It's just like, this is what I'm running. And it's just kind of stays the same from early through late season because it's like that's the gear that you got and that's what you're just going to continue to use. These are all for five-day hunts. And I would say this is like five-day, let's say it's solo, like I'm just by myself because things would change as well if I had like other people with me. You know, we might be able to split some gear up and I might throw some other things in. And this isn't my camera stuff. This is just like if I'm going hunting, this is what I got. So I've got a early season archery mule deer hunt coming up. This is pretty much what's going to be in my pack. And this is, so I'll be wearing, I've got just the base layer wick hoodie. I like that hood. Um, and then the corrugate guide pant. So it's just a lighter weight setup. And then I've got in my pack probably because early season does get cold or can get cold, especially in like that high desert, high country, just like a catalyst soft shell jacket. Uh, kind of like I talked about earlier. Um, if it's cold, you know, where I'm at really high elevation, I might throw in some zip off long johns, but for the most part, probably wouldn't even need them. Now that's something that is like going to elk season, right? I'm going to throw those long johns on and maybe that Brooks down jacket. I'd have my pants and jacket rain stuff. Obviously like I'd be wearing some non-cotton underwear. Oh, there was a question that I, I missed. There was like, what do you wear socks and underwear? And I think that the, the, the key is if you're spending your money on really high quality hunting gear, outerwear, base layers, right? And then you throw a pair of cotton underwear and cotton socks on, you've just defeated the purpose of all that money you spent. It's just like, I and I, I know people still do it. So uh, it's worth mentioning. And then I just have a light pair of gloves. When it comes to boots, you know, I've talked about boots being super important and not just boots being really important, but finding a pair of boots that fit you are comfortable 
and then, you know, do what you need them to do. But uh, for me personally, I like the Schnee's boots. Just like they, I've tried, I tried everything. I've run a lot of different boots, you know, they, I, it's like, I keep going back to the Schnee's for my foot is the most comfortable. I just like how they kind of like, they've got some versions with that little bit easier break in period because it's the lighter soles. They've also got those real stiff sole boots too, but on this hunt, I'll be running the Timberlines probably. Um, and then obviously those sheep feed insoles that I talked about optics. So mule deer. And if you watched my outdoor class, I really went into optics a little bit, but I go optics heavy when it comes to mule deer. I'm using the Vortex UHD razors and I'll probably do the 10 by fifties. That's kind of my go-to now. I do like the twelves for that you know, big open country, but, and then when it comes to optics intensive hunts, I throw in the spotting scope. I'd probably go with a 65 though, because of like lightweight, if I'm packing in and then just a, a handheld rangefinder if I'm bow hunting and then a, a bino adapt, like a tripod bino adapter. And then I've got a you know, carbon fiber, I guess it's a summit. I don't know. It's carbon summit tripod sitting right here. I guess I have to read the name on it, but then uh, pack. I go with the Stone Glacier Sky Talus 6900. I like the bigger packs for kind of a little bit of everything just because I like to be able to pack everything in and pack everything out. I'd have a rain cover. I use bottles when it comes to hunting. Like there's some guys are bladders, some guys are bottles. At this Western Hunt Expo, somebody gave me a, gosh darn, I can't remember the name. I'll find it. Uh, it, it was like a water bottle but it has a bladder hose to it i thought that was pretty cool i haven't used it yet so um maybe i'll i'll throw that in this uh because i like i get kind of jealous of guys with the bladders but also i've just had so many problems with them in the backcountry. like they always get holes they leak they do you like get sick because the tube is like hard to clean out so i just hate water bladders but i feel like if it was in a bottle it might be a little bit better and then just you know a few other things accessories for my pack i've got this solo hunter bino harnesses now and then just a little bit of lens wipes for my optics i generally have it depends on the hunt like you know, i'll have some kind of trekking pole especially if my tent you know is easier to set up with that but that's mostly like big mountain hunting where it's like you you want those extra points of contact but if i'm just like bow hunting or something probably wouldn't have them just depends obviously the tripod i might do some gators but archery season generally it's hot and don't need them um someone was asking about they said oh, i've got like a gopro and they just wanted more filming like camera advice and i'm thinking now it's like i've used a lot of cameras and if you're just looking to film something pretty good man phones are just so good at filming i got a sam's like a new samsung s22 don't hate me if you don't like samsung's but dude the video and cameras on it's incredible it's like 10 power optical zoom plus you can like got a super zoom up to 100 times which it's it's digital so it gets distorted but it's unbelievable like what i because when i've been one arming I kind of had to, it's hard to film. I'm in a hard cast and I can't operate a camera. So I was just like, all right, I got this phone just because I thought I'll use it for filming. It'll be easier. And then I, I'm running this MagView bino adapter to film through the spotting scope because I've handheld for so long because I've got this weird thing about, I hate the cases with the big round thing on it because it doesn't fit in your pocket very well when you're using it for maps and all your other stuff. So um, they kind of solved that problem for me. That was my main issue with like, why I had such 
shaky handheld video because it just wasn't worth carrying that extra case or popping a new case on and off all the time. So um, that's a new product that I tested out and really liked. Uh, but I'm getting away from the point. That's a good way to just film stuff because you can get the zoom. You got your your different varying levels. Man, I don't know. Phones are just like every the everything tool now. And then, you know, you'll need something to charge it. So I found, uh, I guess it's Anchor uh, chargers on Amazon is where I've been getting them. But those seem to work pretty well. And then there's the, there's a little bit tougher one. What, what is it called? Uh, the Dark Energy or something. I think you still make those. Uh, they're pretty solid as well. You know, multi-tool. I've always got a multi-tool. I use the Gerber suspension multi-tool. When it comes to knives, I like just a solid knife. I got the Gerber XO mod. They've got a kit where it's got like a drop point, a caper, and a saw. But uh, the drop point one's the one that I've got is the go-to. And then depending on what I'm planning on doing, I might have the other knives with me. But for the most part, packing in just the drop point. Um, sleeping pad. I got the Thermarest. This is stuff that I've had for a long time. Neo Air X Lite. It's just, it's light. It's comfortable. It's, it's, in, it's a good, like all around one. And then sleeping bag, just Chilkoot 15 degree from Stone Glacier. Then I got that Neo Air micro pump that's added in the pack this year. Well, I'll report back at the end of the season, but I'll probably keep it, you know, I, for safety, in reach mini gosh those things are so good like i don't think there's anything really that compares to them out there right now just hook your phone up you can text you can do whatever it's just a good peace of mind headlamps man i'll tell you what this is a this headlamps are a product that i feel like the technology is out there to make something way better and nobody's doing it right now i've got like a black diamond i think it's the spot 350 uh, it's fine. It's just, it's a headlamp. Uh, they're always frustrating to me because I feel like every time I get one, it's like they don't last long. They could be better. There's a lot of brands that like have a good light, but then they've got this crappy head strap battery pack. I don't know. If you've got a headlamp company, let's make a better one. <laughs> somebody, please. And then when somebody makes a better one, tell me about it and I'll try it out uh, because I've, that's, I've been searching my whole life for a better headlamp. Smith sharpener. I, I've just got that Smith Pulse through sharpener. There's a lot of different sharpeners I've used over the years. Um, when it's in my backpack, I use that one, but like at home and camp, I, I always use the uh, work sharp ones. I'm sure they've got a pull. I got to find, I got to look because I think they're better quality and I get a better edge with all the work sharp stuff. So I don't know if they've got a pull through one. I should actually research that. That's probably something on my list that I'm going to change up. Just first aid kit. You know, I got those potable aqua tablets that I keep in my first aid kit as an emergency, as filtration. Like I said, I use the SteriPen now. Um, it's been pretty good for me. I don't know if I'll continue that or what, but, man, yeah, it's, it's pretty solid. I just go with, like, uh, for lighters, you know, a couple big lighters. Um, sometimes I'll throw, like, a ferro rod in there. Uh, it's nice for starting fire. I like using that to start fires. For fire starter, if you want some fire starter, just like the I, I use the fire cubes, whatever. Don't forget toilet paper. That's always on the list. <laughs> Big asterisk. Batteries, you know, a little extra batteries for the headlamp. When it comes to cooking stuff, I'm just listing a bunch of stuff. Like, but uh, you know, early season I go with like the MSR pocket rocket and then a titanium just like cup and then a small fuel canister. As I go later, you need more fuel, and I generally take a like more powerful, more like a. Um, I use the MSR reactor, but it's you know jet boil. If you got that, it's very similar. I just I'm like a I don't know why I feel like the MSR is kind of it calls to me. It's just more of like a 
feel like you know what you're doing kind of thing. Whereas I feel like the, the jet boils are kind of like the every, like people that just walk around on trails tool. But I've, I've just had jet boils fail in the winter time. So that's why I went switched to the MSR. I don't know. It's personal experience, I guess, but whatever there. I also own jet boils too and take them on a lot of hunts. Then, uh, you know, you got some electric tape, duct tape wrapped around my water bottle. Um, I, I use the water bottle and the water bottle is also good for just lots of other stuff. Like it's, it doesn't freeze up, um, as opposed to like a bladder, you know, it doesn't pop. You can get it. You can, it's easier to fill. And then I'll use my like little cup that I boil my water in to, uh, to get water out of smaller little water sources, you know, battery pack charging cord. You got, I got my Gerber spork devour it's titanium little spork i like that i always got some husky contractor bags trash bags i'm not using those as game bags but i'm using them as pack liners um and then just multi other uses and then yeah i mean that's you know for the most part the gear and then things kind of change you know tent will change a little bit as the season goes on i'll throw on some warmer clothes you know, later in the season, uh, just add a layer in there or like a thicker base layer. So I go from like a wick hoodie to like a kiln, uh, first like kiln hoodie. And that's like the main, you know, the main things that I, I swap around there. And then as I go late, later season, you know, I actually go with a, a boot with insulation, but I've talked about it before. I just, my feet get cold because I've had frostbite in the past. So the circulation's not as good. And then I I throw in a little another another little thing that I like is um, like hand warmers, toe warmers, those disposable ones. Those are kind of like my I would say those are my what would you say like comfort thing. You know, it's like the thing that I don't mind carrying the extra weight of because I use them, especially when it's really cold out. I'll like use it to keep my toes warm or warm my boots up when so they don't freeze at night or put them in my gloves and just I don't know I enjoy them I find them comforting so that's just a little thing that I end up taking and then when it comes to backcountry meals you know I've uh, tried a little bit of everything I prefer freeze-dried I don't mind dehydrated stuff that I make myself but for some reason I just don't like the commercially made dehydrated food so it's just the way you cook it too, right? Like I rehydrate my dehydrated meals that I make in my pot. But with the freeze-dried, you use less water and you just pour it in the bag. The peak stuff right now is the best out there, I feel. Like there's just the flavor, rehydration factor, variety of options. They're killing it right now. I mean, like I crave some of their meals and I've had a lot of them. So uh, they're doing a great job. And then just, you know, random snacks, homemade jerky, of course. A little bit of peanut butter, coffee. You know, those, those Black Rifle um, coffee, like they're almost like a tea bag with coffee. Those are about the best thing out there. And then I always have my like Wilderness Athlete Hydrate Recover Energy Focus. Um, that stuff just like I can't go on a hunt without it because I, it does like it makes a difference for me. Um, like hydration, such a huge factor. And this is something that people don't talk about very often, but staying well hydrated uh, helps you go through less toilet paper, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah, the secret to the one wipe. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a solid way to stay, just staying hydrated. And it's hard to do, but it's a good thing to do. And then another, uh, people ask about altitude a lot, and obviously training is a, a big portion of it, but I do take a, like an altitude advantage vitamin. Uh, sometimes I just feel like it, it just helps. I don't know. 
it helps me, um, whether it's mental or not, I've, I just use it <laughs> and I've never had trouble at altitude. So that's just kind of, that's in a nutshell, uh, like an abbreviated version of my kit. Uh, so I think that, you know, hopefully that helps some people just get an idea of really, I wanted it to be more about, I think the question and answer was the most important thing of understanding why there's certain things that I choose the way that I choose those things and, and kind of ways to look for gear that, you know, where, where you're going to spend your money. You know, we've all got finite time, finite resources. Uh, I mean, sure, there's some people that have unlimited resources, right? But, you know, for the most part, you just want the best stuff that you can kind of afford. And, and there's ways of like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to find discounts on things. I'm going to find things that are used. I'm going to find, you know, I'm going to buy, I'm going to spend my money in these categories. And, you know, if you're going to pick some categories to spend your money on, it's probably going to be those top four and then you can kind of over the years just add and subtract to those kits and i think that that's that's a good way to look at it and it's just like you know as things go on as time goes on you know you save for something that you want and then there's those other little things in the middle of the fun stuff that you get a toy around with the the pieces that you can add or subtract and and kind of try new stuff all the time which is makes it fun as well always searching for that next best thing so i hope that helps I definitely think I could probably blabber on about gear for the next, I don't know, seven hours, but I won't, I won't bore everyone with it. You know, I think it's, it is one fun thing though. It's like you get, I don't know. I feel like it's when you get together with your running buddies, gears, that topic that everybody talks about debates about, or like, Oh, I tried this or this is shit. Those are the fun conversations to have or like, Oh no, I had this and this is how it failed. Uh, this is how this thing like really helped me. You know, I think everybody's got their own little thing too. And there's probably something you have that you use that I don't even know about, you know, that I might just, it's like, I need that into my kit and maybe replace something else with it. But I think it's just kind of a fun thing to, to kind of look at gear and look at some of the, you know, especially for guys just getting into it. Dude, it's not, I'm never going to say like, oh yeah, hunting's a, a great thing to get into if you want to save money <laughs> because there's always something out there that you want or need, right? But it can be fun to kind of, you know, tinker with that. And if you're just getting into backpack hunting and other things and you're like, ah, man, all well, this really light stuff, like, you know, some of this stuff is like, for the guys that are, I would just say like high-end users where it's like, you're, you, this is your life, right? Going into the backcountry is what you live for. It's like you live out of that backpack and, and whatever. And I know that not everybody's at that level. So there's always ways to tinker with the gear and you can always get heavier, less expensive gear and just be tougher, right? Just carry more. Like that's, uh, I had to, for the camera stuff, just like, all right, I've just got to carry a heavy pack. That's just what I got to do. But I, you know, try to pick really light gear for everything else so I can fit all the other stuff in there. So that's just something to, just some ways to think about gear. I, I what I'm going to do too. So I've got, I just did like three gear lists and I'm going to continue to get better about doing these gear lists because it, I get asked it a lot. And so I'm going to do a little bit more gear stuff just because I'm very close to a lot of the gear, you know, especially being part of some development stuff and other things like I've had my hand in a lot of gear things. So it's fun to, for me to just kind of explain gear stuff. You know, it's just something I enjoy talking about. So I've got uh, what I'm going to do. I'll put them on my website. Uh, I've got like a early season mule deer kind of kit, kind of like a elk kit. 
archery elk and then like late season elk and i'll just kind of build these things out maybe even you know if you guys want more information on like okay well what about not backcountry stuff front country stuff the truck camping like as i go through the season i'll just try to kind of like make good notes and and get these gear lists uh out there a little bit better and then one of the things like i i because i've had that spot on my remywarren.com i think i've had like just this void of the gear list section i'm like i really want to have a good gear list um but the time that it took to like make you know get all the links and things i just i never found the time for it so uh, my friends at go on were like we will help you out so they've got my gear list they should be up today i just kind of been sending them all my gear stuff like here's my list you know there's some stuff on amazon a lot of stuff they sell uh, which is good because one of the things that I like to do with the companies that I work with is just try to figure out, like like I said, I know getting gear can be expensive, so I just try to make it. It's like, man, I always look for those deals, and that's one of the things that I did with my partnership with GoHome. It's like I'd rather, like, whatever. I, I mean, it's a, it's what I use, so it doesn't. I don't mind talking about it. And I was like, I might as well, you know, get savings for everybody that listens to the podcast because that's kind of what. That's more what I care about. So um, you can use code LiveWild and get a um, insider membership. What it is, I, I don't think a lot of people know this part about it, but I think about it like a Costco membership where, I mean, you get the tag draw stuff, you get the maps, you get all the stuff with it. But also their, their shop is awesome. Anybody can go shop there. You don't have to be a member to buy stuff in the shop. But if you're a member, think about like the way Costco gets better prices, right? Because it's a club, it's like a membership. You know, they can sell things for under the price that other people can sell them for. Well, Go Hunt does something similar where, you know, the way that they sell gear is, you know, you can't sell under a certain price right? You can't like just sell stuff for cost or just above cost because the companies don't allow it. But what Go Hunt does is they're just kind of like, well, we aren't, it's not like our, we're just here to supply people with gear. They'll make a little bit on it, but they can't discount as much. So they give like members points that go toward gear, which is crazy because you can go buy something and then get more points for the gear. So it's essentially like having a really big discount all the time which is pretty cool. Uh, that's the way that I buy my gear. So I thought, I was like, well, that's cool. And then with our code, you get money off that membership, plus you get money in the store. So that was something that I worked out for listeners of the Live Wild podcast. So you can just use that code if you'd like, you know, no pressure. But if you're looking to get some new gear, that's a really, you you make your money back on it for sure. So that's a cool way to do it. And you get all the maps and all the other stuff. So it's just a good way to save money. But I, I've got my gear list there, so you can check that out. There should, it should be, I'm going to try to make them easy where it's like, all right, here's links to stuff if you want it. Just because, you know, you list all the stuff and you're like, okay, well, how, how much is that? Or even just, you know, researching it. Like, okay, well, what's something in that vein and, you know, that kind of thing. So, so I'm building those out and I'll get better at it. If you like those, let me know. And if there's certain gear lists you want to see, let me know. I like this to be kind of a two-way conversation. I always say that like, I'm here talking to you, but I know that there's people out there listening. And so I want to know your thoughts on things. Like that's, that is the reason that I'm doing this podcast. And when this podcast becomes ineffective and nobody wants to listen to it, then I just stop doing it. But I really want to kind of keep the conversation both ways. I really liked answering these questions. And today, if you're listening, I kind of try to reward the people that are listening at the first, you know, the first day, Thursday. So it's today is Thursday, 
I don't even know what the date is. Thursday, the 28th of July. Oh, the, the last week in July. And now we get into archery antelope season next week. So excited. So today, 11 a.m. Pacific time, but always check my at Remy Warren social media just in case there's technical difficulties. Live call-in show. Very excited about that. That's one of my favorite things. So call in, ask your questions. And you know what we're going to be prepping for? I've got the month of August, although there's a lot of other seasons. There's mule deer season, there's archery, whatever. I'm, we're going to be making it elk month. So the topics are going to be focused around elk hunting. Um, I'm going to try to break it down because what I was doing in the past was it would be like elk month in September when everyone's thinking about elk. And then people would be like, you know, I really wish I had that tactic uh, on my drive out to the hunt. So we're going to, we're pre-gaming. We are going to pre-game elk season during the month of August. If you have elk hunting questions, call in. If you've got any hunting questions, call in, right? If it's something for something coming up, whatever. I've got a few little prizes that I like to give away during that. You call in the number the way it works. There's a kind of like a waiting room. You, the people in there can listen to the podcast, but there, it's capped at like 30 people or something like that. And then I try to run through as many questions as I can and we'll go from there. And then also if you did the, I mentioned it in the last podcast, that outdoor class thing, that's tonight check your emails. I had trouble with the email going out. So check your emails today. You should get one now. And then you'll have that evite to that. Um, so until next week, everyone, let's just say gear it up. I'll catch y'all later. <laughs>